At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey, everyone. If you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating, and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Increase of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor. Or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at increaseofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Welcome to the 34th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I'm here with Chuck from Fire Theft Radio. How's it going, man? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me, bud. Thanks for coming on, making the time to come on. Indeed, indeed. We're different time zones, but we made it work. Always got to make it work, man. <laughs> I'm starting to get used to the California time zone that it's three hours back. So it seems right. to be my standard now with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. But I guess to get going here, uh, for people that don't know, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Cool. Yeah. So like you said, uh, definitely from, from Southern California. Uh, I've been doing a podcast called Fire Theft Radio with my co-host Omar for about seven years now. Um, and uh, we're kind of slow on putting the content out because we have we both have full-time jobs, very busy. But, you know, we started uh, the podcast because we both came from like a kind of Pentecostal, very charismatic 
like church background. Um, and that kind of led us to question a lot of things just because we were, we were readers. We like to read the Bible uh, quite a bit. And there was, we just kind of off the bat figured out that there's a lot of things that were coming from that organization. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians orga- organizations are guilty of this, that they were just kind of preaching and it was just kind of made up. It wasn't in the Bible. And, and then on top of that, it was like, uh, uh, or they took it out of context to whatever it is that they wanted to teach. And, you know, and we just didn't, we were like, hey, that's not in there. So, you know, we kind of let us down some rabbit holes to look up people that were actually like Hebrew scholars and, and, and context like that, that normally people don't actually ever put into when it comes to reading the Bible. We kind of read it with a modern lens, which is one of the biggest problems. I think we're here to talk about that a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it kind of led to turning into Fire Theft Radio uh, because uh, I felt like it needed a platform. And of course, along learning that, learning all that stuff we were kind of like hey what's up with 9-11 what's up with all these other things uh what's up with the occult what's up with Aleister Crowley what's up with uh, Nephilim fallen angels you know and UFOs and aliens and so all of that plus the biblical stuff is, is in fire theft radio so if that stuff kind of interests you that's kind of what we do over there we got a, a good uh, body of different things going on over there Oh, yeah. Sounds like a very interesting show. I know I listen to myself personally. Um, I have definitely noticed kind of like you were saying that once you kind of start digging into one thing kind of turns into a giant unraveling uh, mm-hmm. ball of just all this other different different things. But I always like to hear the perspective on how things fit into different religions. So, I mean, you know, in the process of all your different research, why don't you share what kind of interesting things you found personally? So I have a very interesting background. I kind of grew we kind of grew up traditional Catholic at first. But it, my mom was having a rough go at becoming a, a citizen here in America. She was she came from Mexico and and uh, my father wasn't really around and he was doing his own his, his own thing. So, of course, she was working three jobs, getting into a lot of different things. So we weren't really going to church, but it was it was our background, just the traditional Catholic background, you know. But from there, uh, she was kind of a searcher. So she started getting into actually like white magic. Uh, and witchcraft, different sorts of witchcraft, which of course led the family to practice those things as well. I have three other sisters, so we all started doing that as well. And Buddhism, uh, Japanese Buddhism called Soka Gakkai. Uh, we were there for a few years as well. And uh, in the midst of doing Buddhism, we we're also practicing witchcraft, which led to crazy paranormal activity at our household, uh, which people don't sometimes think is a is a thing and when i hear like people talk about like movies and and things like that i was like a lot of that stuff i kind of experienced uh like like in in person in my house so i kind of knew growing up there was definitely a spiritual world out there and uh, something was was going on that we just needed uh uh, to get into, look into more. And I, by, by that time where all the supernatural activity was happening at our household, I was in my teen years uh, or getting there at least. And, uh, and uh, actually one of the witch doctor ladies recommended for my mother to go to, to church. She says, you need Jesus. Your, your life is so bad. No witch can help you. So uh well, that's how we ended up going to this uh, kind of charismatic community background uh, kind of church. And um, 
for example, I used to see shadows, uh, things, I mean, people can call it schizophrenia, whatever you want to call it. And we can talk about that later. But I used to see, for example, shadows that knew my name and they would hold me down on my bed, that my bed would vibrate, things in the house would move. Um, like shadow uh, people, right? Like kind of yes. sounds like the description of shadow people where they like yes. an old hag syndrome partly too, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like shadow people, they kind of look cloaked. Uh, they had different faces, their faces would morph into different faces and things like that. And, uh, I would feel like I was followed on my left side. I could always kind of see a shadow over me on my left side, which is actually, a, there's a reference to that in the Bible and things like that. And I didn't know that until not too long ago, actually, but there's so many references to these supernatural beings that I was experiencing in the Bible, and, but they were never really mentioned. And there's a, uh, there's a, uh, difference between them. They have different categories of them, but that, I mean, I don't want to get into that yet, but the, my point is, is uh, we were experiencing these evil things, insomnia. My sisters were highly depressed. Uh, two, two of them tried to commit suicide and uh, one of them was incredibly angry. Never home. My dad was killing himself with alcohol. Uh, I mean, literally bleeding through the mouth. He had cirrhosis uh, liver was, you know, crap. And my dad, my mom also was, told by doctors you and my you you they told us almost at the same time your dad and your mom have less than a year to live because someone tried to murder her and so they dropped a um like a jacuzzi frame on her head at, at where she worked and so at that point you know my family's life was rock bottom and that's why we ended up going into like you know what we need to go and find some help and we had at this point tried everything we were talking about buddhism witchcraft and everything but it was getting worse and worse progressively. So we ended up at this church. And at first we didn't question it because all of those supernatural activities, the shadow folk, the shadow people, uh, the depression, the, um, the, the, the addiction to, to alcohol, kind of everything, like almost instantly disappeared. And we went to this service where they call it like a del deliverance ministry where they expel demons or they do like exorcisms pretty much. And, uh, we did like a chain of that. We just did like, we were going every Friday, um, to that and just little by little it went away. So at first we were kind of like, well, we have nothing to question. Obviously God's here. Uh, this is amazing that this happened and it led our family to go into that organization without question for a while. But then through time, as I got older, I started like asking some questions because certainly certain things weren't fitting. And, uh, you know, it just kind of led me down a different path. What exactly other events happened when you were growing up in the household that you were describing earlier besides just the shadow people? Was there anything else that you guys saw? Um, the shadow people was like the, the thing that was the most prominent. And on top of that, it was um, constant accounts of sleep paralysis along with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, these, these entities were on top of you. And you just couldn't move. And they were, me personally, I could hear them speak, but I couldn't tell what they were saying only when they said my name. Other than that, I didn't understand them and I could hear them sometimes. And, and when, when I wasn't sleeping, so it was like a thing where I was at school or, uh, or wherever, wherever I was and I could, I can hear them. Uh, and so uh, obviously it, it was one of those things where, in, in the ritual world, in the, in the world of magic, you're like, well, we just have to do stronger rituals. So it went from like regular, just kind of seance type rituals to like actual blood rituals. And uh, unfortunately, even though it might have worked for a little bit, 
the result of it always kind of got worse. You know, it kept getting worse. These these uh, uh, attacks became more frequent. And what people might not correlate to the spiritual world is is addiction, because like I said, uh, mother and father were alcoholics and uh, pills and things like that. But uh, most people think that, eh, you know, that's not really correlated. And I, I'm not saying every single a person that's addicted to anything is a spiritual thing, but there's definitely a spiritual component to it because even in other forms of practices, you take certain drugs in order to have spiritual experiences and things like that. In order to do certain rituals in the magic world, you actually do have to drink alcohol. You do have to be under a certain influence and, and then continue the ritual. So there's like a lot of correlations to what we consider to be, I don't know, fun and pleasurable that actually have, uh, they actually derive from old pagan rituals that we're not aware of. And so, uh, so we're doing all these different things all the time and we're just like, Hey, we're just having a good time. But uh, sometimes, you know, we uh, tend to uh, go a little past it and the spiritual world is definitely around and, and it's still like, it's, we're permeated in it. It's symbols are all around us, but we're kind of unaware just because we don't know the symbols. We don't know that the history. So we just think that it's normal everyday life, but, in my opinion, like if people paid attention to the symbols, to the occult symbolism behind a lot of things in your household that you just, hey, that's just, you know, a Procter & Gamble. There's nothing occult over there. You know, there's nothing occult with your Nike shoes. Why would that be occult and things like that? But there is like a certain connection to the spiritual world uh, just because that's just what history is like. We have this connection. But anyways, uh, so, yeah, it was just one of those things where it just happened to more and more so uh we it, it was all more of like that. a call to you as you as you progress through it or was it more like you already had the negative emotions going on in your house and then these things were drawn to that yeah so uh definitely that's a part of it but the thing was is like i said the thing that i believe that made it worse and that's just kind of how things are in the in the in the world of rituals once you start having to do stronger rituals and blood rituals and things like that, it starts getting a little bit more uh, crazy where you're like, ah, I don't know if this was the right thing to do. Uh, and a lot of people tend to think that they have control over the spirit realm, but we really don't. We really uh, uh, don't. And sometimes when we open these doors, uh, just like you see in your movies, like, oh, I think you let something in that shouldn't have came in. And now you're dealing with it. And that's what I feel happened because we, had to do these stronger rituals we ended up going to mexico doing seeing a witch doctor lady over there and things just got weirder and weirder as we did those things it just got worse so we definitely had to do something about it was the idea of these rituals in order to protect yourself or was were you trying to call upon something else to try to protect yourself like what exactly both. was like the premise of the rituals you were yeah it, it's both because uh you 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 do the rituals for a general protection but you also invoke you can say we invoked different kinds of things, spirit guides or also saints, like because a lot of uh, uh, there is Catholicism mixed in with mysticism. So sometimes they involve saints to call upon saints to protect you. But we do uh, an occult ritual in order to call upon the saint, which is kind of contradiction there. But it's what is practiced in the world of mysticism and, and Catholicism when it's mixed together. Haiti does that a lot, for example, because Haiti is primarily Catholic and then they mix a lot of witchcraft as well because of the African rituals that they kind of have from their own history, you know? Mm -hmm. And so things like that. And so they, they'll, they'll mix things like that. 
And so, uh, so it was for both. Yeah. It was for protection. And then also we would call upon entities, uh, and, uh, um, yeah, you would sometimes get some, some weird answers and you would get like a, like maybe protection from certain things, or my mom would get a, an open door in a financial way uh, that she wanted open that she couldn't get open, but then it would get, it would follow through with more problems at home that would get more paranormal activity. Is it almost like asking a favor where you're saying like, I would like to receive money, but in turn, you also have to give something back. Is that kind of how it worked out? So that's what it definitely looks like. And then, and it, as I started researching what these spirits were, um, other than the spirit of God or the, the biblical version of what that means, that there was that difference. The major difference is that all these other entities uh, definitely require something in return uh, if they're going to do something for you. And, and sometimes, obviously, the more, it, the bigger it is, the more it requires, whether it's money or whether it's a, like a blood sacrifice. And we only did animals or like chicken or things like that. It wasn't like obviously human or anything like that, you know, or our own blood from our hand or anything like that. Uh, it was more just like animals and things like that, that we would bury and, and toads and the, the classic stuff, you know? Uh, but yeah, so it, it definitely seemed that way. It's like, but the thing is that, when you asked for it, it never, even through the spirit guys, they never said, oh, uh, the spirit says, I want, I'm going to, I'm going to require this from your family, or I'm going to do this to you. It would just say, give me a sacrifice. I want this much money, which I know some of the money is involved just for the people doing the rituals, but that was it. But then after, I think we definitely paid the consequences for dabbling too deep into those kinds of things. Were you just calling out to just different entities in general, or was there specifically named entities that you were we were you were calling out for? Yes, well, some of the a, a lot of the ones that my mother was calling to were patron saints. There were some that were randomly named off the top of my head. I can't remember really that they were they were just they were like African sounding names, like a- African deities. Some of them have roots in African deities, um, and. Uh, for example, in Brazil, uh, they, uh, they have a lot of uh, religions where they do the same thing and they'll call upon these spirits. For example, they'll say uh, they call upon Eshu. Eshus do certain things. They call upon Orishas. They do another thing. Uh, they call upon uh, cobras, which is a cobra, you know, and there's different types of cobras or snake-like uh, entities, which is also very interesting. And they do different things and they all have certain powers uh that they specify in and so uh we did the same thing but uh that's that's kind of what i what i wanted people to try and connect it was done from a catholic sort of mystic way but the ritual and the seance everything was exactly as if you're calling upon another spirit in the pagan world you know Mm -hmm. so there's a correlation there and kind of uh, people think sometimes that it's one and the same thing, but I, I was trying to explain to people that us doing that led down a dark path. So it was obvious that what we were doing wasn't really good, even though we were trying to invoke mostly patron saints. So that being said that you were kind of doing like rituals that would have went to another religion. Uh, do you think that these types of entities or angels or whatever you want to happen to call them, uh, do you think that they're all they all kind of transcend religion in a sense, like almost like uh, the idea that I've been kind of viewing lately is that uh, 
like most religions are about the same thing. They're just different mm-hmm. perspectives for the same thing and they have different names <laughs> for the same thing. But like, what, what's your explanation for as far as like these beings being almost like predating re- certain religions? Right, right. So th- this is where we're going to open up the box for sure, because uh, uh, fundamentally I'm still Christian and fundamentally uh, what I believe in is, is you know, in the circles of the evangelical world, which is where I hang out right now, um, I'm called more like a contrarian, you know, like a Christian contrarian. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily label myself that way, but it's contrarian because um, when we start looking back at history, when I was mentioning stuff earlier, um, there is definitely a cosmic battle, like this spiritual battle that we're in the midst of and humans are a part of it. Now, no matter how what religion you believe in, I think we can all agree that there is a spiritual component to the human being, that we're not just physical, we're not just corporeal, we don't just exist here. I mean, uh, our mind, the way our mind works, we are definitely mind, we're definitely body and spirit. And even just the way the mind and body and spirit work, it's just like, it's, it's amazing that we can transcend into these kind of dimensions within ourselves like i was like i tell people sometimes i think about like you know read a paragraph in your head and about something that you've or you know read something or memorize something or say a few sentences in your head and you can hear your voice even though it's not really there you know what i'm saying you can hear yourself so you have this memory of sound and all that stuff is stored and 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 all these different weird things that we can do that are very godlike in nature which i if you read the Bible really closely, you're made to be in his image. And in the Hebrew perspective, that's what it actually means to be able to be like uh, the creator. But he He made you that way so that you can do things that he did. And for, for example, uh, me as a human being can make music, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I, I play the piano. I play the guitar, a little bit of drums, different instruments. And I've created so many things out of my own thought, right? They didn't exist, and I'm bringing them into existence. I'm creating something that has never existed before, okay? And I, I've made original music. That is a godlike trait, not, not to mention the very obvious. You can make copies of yourself. You know, you can make kids, you know? You can make, you know, all of that stuff. Literally, you have this ability that we kind of undermine, and we think, oh, this is just human existence. But it's like, no, it's very very powerful uh, what you can do and the things that you can do. I mean, we speak about the power of words. We speak about the power of writing literature and how it can really manipulate people. We see the government doing that all the time uh, with the way they abuse power, the way they abuse authority. And you see religions doing that all the time. And where it is fundamentally, we can see that we have this authority and it's really in the direction that you point it that makes it good or bad. You get me? And so these are the things that we have as fundamentals and they manifest manifest themselves within society and through time in different ways, depending on different ideologies and, and, and things like that. But what I was trying to get at is uh, the Bible tells a very uh, important story that a lot of modern evangelical Christians kind of miss. And it starts really early on from the book of Genesis all the way through literally the book of Revelation all the way to the end. And there was a rebellion, according to the Bible, uh, in heaven. And it was not just Satan, as we like to say, or Lucifer that did that. If you read it closely, especially if you read uh, 
in an, like in Ethiopia, the book of Enoch is still a canon book. It's still part of the Bible and many other, uh, and even in some Catholic churches, uh, they still have the book of Enoch in there. And it, it really counts, tells you this story that we kind of skip that the founding fathers or the, uh, the, they call them the founding fathers, like the early church fathers of the, the when, when people say that usually they mean the Protestant fathers of, of um, Christianity didn't like these stories and they kind of removed it from uh, the canon because they didn't like how it fit into the narrative. They didn't like certain things that sounded a bit too weird, but the story was quite simple. Uh, a group of entities decided we are, want to become our own gods and we're going to go down and we're going to leave God. We're going to do our own thing, create our own societies, our own religions so that they humans can serve us. And that's the difference between the biblical story and like all the other religions. If you read the original story of, of like Adam and Eve, if you really pay attention, we were made to serve and these entities were made to serve us. And so they very did not like that. They were like, there's no way we're doing that. We're not serving humans. We're going to do our own thing. That became the rebellion that happened in, in, in Mount Hermon, which is in the book of Enoch. These, these uh, you can say archons or leaders came down and you might've heard some of the names because the names are very prominent in a lot of movies. You like Azazel is a name that they use a lot in shows and in movies. Uh, um, and uh, Shemyaza is another one. And they use it a lot in, in a lot of horror movies that I see. Oh, Shemyaza, Azazel, all these basically uh, from, there was, I believe 22 off the top of my head. I can remember that decided we're not, we're not, we're not going to be a part of that. We're going to create our own societies and our own religions. That happened around Genesis 10 or 11. If you read like Genesis 10, 11, 12, uh, you start seeing that there's this huge thing going on where these entities are already kind of like uh, taking charge of different parts of the world. And part of that was fueled because the people themselves wanted to be rebelling against God in one of the most rebellious stories ever, the Tower of Babel. And when you read the Tower of Babel, he confuses the languages, right? And after that, God says something very interesting that people miss. I'm going to assign entities to these other nations, and the entities' job are to bring them later back to me for this reunification of nations that's going to happen in the later future. They did not do that. And in Psalms 82, Psalms 89, uh, you can see God through David having that argument with these entities and uh, Deepak Chopra and a lot of people misuse that um, verse to say that God says you are a God. We are all gods to say that the Bible actually proves that uh, it's saying that all of us are like uh, a form of, of a little G God. Mm -hmm. But the references in those the ones that are using is actually an argument God is having with these entities that rebelled against him and made their own religions. And part of that rebellion was we're going to go down here and not only make our own religions, we're going to make our own people using the people that already exist. And that's where we get our demigod story, our Nephilim stories. So these fallen entities decided to copulate with women and, and uh, make, make these, these uh, demigods that we know, still to today that we think are mythological, which in my opinion are a lot more true than we might think, you know? Mm -hmm. And so these are these uh, renowned men, the old heroes of old. Uh, 
that kind of became so known, you know, even Hercules is mentioned in the Bible, which a lot of people miss. And this, and it's talking about the descendant of, of who, or Hercules came from and all kinds of different things like that. And the battle was those entities versus God. And that's like the background cosmic war that's happening in the entire Bible that no one ever brings up at one point when these, uh, um, entities kind of made too many of uh these of these nephilim Mm -hmm. it was the job of joshua to kill them off and the whole book of joshua is actually that when you read all of the tribes that god commanded him to kill because he said even kill the children and the women which a lot of atheists and a lot of people again misuse it out of context and a lot of even evangelicals because they'll say oh it's because those tribes were very sinful and God had to get rid of them, even the children. And that's kind of like messed up you know, when you put it that way, like, oh, okay, because that's just it. God decided he's, he's, he's a megalomaniac and he's this crazy controlling God that I'm just going to get rid of all of these sinful tribes. But when you look at the background story of all of those tribes that Joshua was commanded to kill, all of them had that the descendant name of these entities I was telling you about, like these fallen beings. And all of them were actually, in fact, according to Hebrew thought, the Hebrew thought was they weren't fully human and we got to get rid of them. We got to get rid of them. And so killing those Nephilim, that's where you get demons from. Okay. Mm -hmm. The leftover, because according to Enoch, those spirits were not made by God. So they don't go to heaven and they don't go to hell. They just wander the earth looking for people to inhabit. So there's a lot of history right there. Those are the ones that to this day try to possess people because they no longer have a body and they don't go to heaven. They don't go to hell. And these are the ones that you can invoke. These are the ones that are just literally wandering, which also the New Testament mentions that there's these beings that literally wander around looking for bodies to inhabit. And the way to do that is through these rituals so that they can inhabit bodies again because they don't have it, you know? And so that's kind of like the beginning of it. So if you want me to expand from there, you tell me where you want me to go. Yeah. I'd love for you to keep expanding out. I was just going to ask the question. So uh, the demons that people would theoretically get possessed by are ones that are just bound to just walk around this plane rather than actually becoming from hell. Like a lot of people interpret that they do. Right. Correct. So uh, they're in, in hell, or that's another thing. When you look at the understanding of hell, um, the lake of fire, uh, the the Sheol as the as um, uh, the world of the dead, as the Old Testament puts it, there's actually different compartments in the earth according to the Bible. The people that died before there there was a place where the dead went and just slept. There, it's called the place of the dead, Sheol. And the problem with the English translations is that when the English English translators got it, they said, okay, this is in the underground. So they encounter another place that is also an underground. So what the translator will do is he'll apply that same word to that other place, even though the other place is a different place. And that happens often in the translations of the Bible, which is why it's important to look into the language. It's not that hard. It's literally, I have an app, cost me $4.00. I can look it up in ancient Greek, in, in Aramaic, and in Hebrew, and compare it to the English. It's really not that hard. 
but no one really takes that extra step because it's kind of like, no, I've read it. And a lot of Christians today, they think Bible reading is Bible study. And that is incorrect. You're just reading, you know, you know, obviously when you study anything, it takes a lot more than just reading it. You have to understand like, why did, uh, you know, RR Tolkien make it, or what's his name? Is it JR? Is it RR? I was getting mixed up, but anyways, yeah. JR. And why did so-and-so write this? What was he thinking about when he made this? What, what does Mortar represent? You know, what are the Nazgul? What are all these things? There's like, there's definitely a background to it. And if you just read it over, you might know it cover to cover, but it doesn't mean you know any history about what's going on in his story. And so it's, it's very important that we do that. And so in doing so, um, you start looking at these different things and there are wandering spirits. There's, a, there's so many stories where Jesus explains expelled a demon and the demon literally just wandered around and people asked him where did they go and he's like oh they're wandering around in the desert in dry places and they're they're seeking to whom whom to inhabit and and if you don't uh feel yourself with god they come back with seven other spirits and they possess you because you decided to clean house and then leave it open leave the door open and didn't fill it with something else like you were describing a little bit earlier with the different layers being all kind of named the same thing just out of uh, miscommunication of translation. Is it kind of the same for demons that there would be like a different name theoretically for like demons that are on this plane versus ones that are in, in hell, but we all just kind of use a generalized term as demon for all of them? So, the, yeah, thank you for bringing that up because that's actually where I was headed with that um, is we normally think in the evangelical world in general in the Christian world as a whole, the general consensus is demons are fallen angels. And if you are honest and you read the entire Bible cover to cover, cover to cover, which I have multiple times and the books that are uh, not in there, uh, there's not a single verse that says fallen angels are demons, not a single one, not one verse. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we assume that by tradition uh, mainly because we mixed in also uh, Greco-Roman tradition with uh, uh, Christian tradition. And those traditions kind of conflate and they've become modern day traditions. And they weren't the thought that your ancient Hebrew was thinking when they wrote these books. And going back to what I was thinking, they were, they were if you ask someone, even today, who, if you ask like a classic Orthodox uh a Jew who actually knows his Torah and goes into, you know, reads those books, he wouldn't tell you like the fallen angels are, are demons. He just wouldn't, that, that just wouldn't happen. And so, yeah, definitely because of that, we assume that that's what they are, but reading very carefully, even Jesus himself never calls them fallen angels. He calls them unclean spirits. And that is common in the old Testament of encountering uh, things that you weren't supposed to uh, entities that you weren't supposed to, they were called unclean spirits and different things like that, or demonions uh, that you can find that in Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy 32, you they actually are called uh Shadim if you find them there. And, and all of these different entities are sometimes depending on the translation will be called demons uh, even though they are not. That makes sense. Yeah, it's more of like a generalized term that's just been miscommunicated, mm-hmm. like a lot of different things, like even the use of the word God or Satan throughout right. different biblical texts. It's a lot of things get lost in translation, as I've described a bunch of times, as it 
progresses through different languages too. And mm-hmm. then there's so many different revise. Re- what's the word I'm looking for? Revisions of the Bible mm-hmm. too. That a lot of stuff mm-hmm. has changed purposely for the sake of whoever yeah. was revising the Bible. Correct, and that has happened politically for political reasons. That had that has happened for religious political reasons. A mixture of both, which is why I think it's important to go back to the oldest uh, ones that you can find. And thank God, I think we found the Qumran cave uh, scrolls, and those are literally the oldest uh, scrolls available. And it had almost every book of the Bible ever written, and uh, they retranslated it from the Qumran caves. And it was like they they said it was the most the most accurate was I guess the most closest was the King James version, which was like ninety nine percent accurate to the oldest scrolls available when it comes to the Bible, uh, and they were surprised by it just because uh, they were really found by chance by a young boy just throwing rocks in a cave and found these ancient scrolls, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, but yeah, so going that that's kind of where I get the information from. You go back to the source, the original source. And these things are readily available. And I think people are aware. So you don't have to um, r- rely on your revisions on like the ASV. The, the I mean, in the end, whatever Bible you read, I always encourage like, hey, whatever Bible you read and you, you want to read, that's great. But if you don't go back to, you know, I use Logos Bible software for $4. It's an app. I'm Obviously, I don't work for Logos, but you can literally go back to, you know, all these ancient translations and and start comparing words and things like that to see if what you think it's saying is actually there, which is the question we need to ask ourselves. What was Paul, Peter, Jesus, uh, whoever wrote that book, what were they thinking when they wrote the book? And the more you ask that question, the more modern tradition of what we think Christian Christians believe kind of starts to fall apart a little bit. And, uh, you know, a lot of Christians don't like that. I say that because they think I'm trashing Christianity as a whole. I'm not. Okay. I'm not changing. For example, for if there's any Christians listening, I'm not changing like the, the salvific aspect of the gospels or anything like that. I'm just changing what you think is demons. Isn't what you think it is. What you think are angels. Isn't what you think they are. And because you just read it in English, you know, you need to look at the thing. There's categories to not only fallen entities, there's categories to demons and there's categories to angels and they are in the Bible, but nobody really talks about them. Do you want to go a little bit more in depth with these different categories for people that aren't familiar with these types of things? Sure. So one of the general misunderstandings is that the Satan in the book of Job is the Satan that we all know. And that is a huge one for me because uh, when I found out about it, I couldn't believe it. First of all, Job is one of the oldest books uh, considered to be, arguably, by scholars and archaeologists, one of the oldest books to ever be written. So uh, the view of good and evil, the view of God and his conversations that he has with um, uh, his counsel is important. And that's something that I haven't mentioned yet. So God makes it very clear that he works with a counsel. He doesn't need to work with the council, but he wants to work with the council. That council exists because we uh, pretty much gave our authority away with the Garden of Eden situation. That's a long story. I want to get into these entities thing. Some of those council members over time did rebel. Like I said, you can read that in Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy or Psalms 82, Psalms 89. These are all chapters and there's many more verses that kind of talk about that 
but probably one of the most obvious is in the book of Kings. And it escapes me if it's the first or second book of Kings, but God is literally talking to his counsel. And if you uh, look at it, he's asking, how do we get rid of Ahab? And nobody knows how to get rid of Ahab. And they're like, oh, you know, and he's asking these spiritual beings, how do we get rid of them? And he's allowing them to come up with a way to get rid of them. And they all gave their ideas. And he's like, no, we're not going to go with that. We're not going to go with that. And ultimately, he didn't need their help, but he just wanted them to participate in the, the necessity of getting rid of this horrible king. Now, one of them said, I'm going to be a lying spirit and whisper in people's ears and pretty much turn everyone against him by becoming a lying spirit. And if people pay attention, that's kind of controversial in, in the biblical world. Like, wait, wait, God's using lies? Huh? Yeah. God's using lies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God's using lies to get rid of somebody. And then if we pay attention, which a lot of people don't when they read, God often uses what we consider to be a sin to put judgment upon a group of people or a person to get rid of them. Like, no, we got, we have to get rid of them because they're causing, uh, Oh, it's telling me I'm raising my hand. I've never seen that before. Like, Hey, you're raising your hand. Uh, uh, we're using Skype and it thought I was raising my hand, but, uh, uh, I make a lot of mannerisms. That's why. But, um, I and so I didn't even see the notification pop up. I didn't know that was the thing on, on zoom. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It said on mine, like, oh, you're about to raise your hand. And if I kept it on longer, I guess it's going to show on your end or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, so we kind of missed these things, these conversations, because we kind of read through it and we're like, oh, what are these? We don't look into what are these entities like. And there's often in the, in, in the Proverbs, in Psalms, when you hear God is amongst the other gods or God is amongst the assembly of the gods or God is amongst um his his counsel these are the beings i'm talking about that work with him and they're always mentioned that they work along with him and because they say lowercase g the modern christian the evangelical christian is like oh those must be bad ones or those aren't real gods you know but if we paid attention to what had happened in in the bible early on there's this rebellion what i want to make clear to people who are believers in the bible and i, I am i am one is that there is a, a creator God, but then there's these other ones that are self-proclaimed gods who started their own religions, but they're very real, which is are the ones that Moses is fighting against, which is why God would tell him, don't worship other gods. And then other times he would say, don't make idols and don't worship idols. He makes a clear distinction between both. He's not saying that gods, other gods aren't real. He's not saying that idols are gods. He's saying that there's two different things and that there's these spiritual entities that are real and you shouldn't worship them. They should, they should have been there to help guide you, which was their original uh, um, intent. That was what they were told to do, but they didn't. And they rebelled over time. And, and uh, so these are, the, these are the different classes. And we'll just start like this. There are watcher class and they, they're, it's what they sound like. And there are fallen watchers and these are not demons. These are real corporeal beings that can go in and out of this existence. Mm-hmm. We see that all throughout uh, the Bible. Uh, when God sent um, angels to get rid of, uh, what was his name? <sighs> he was going to Sodom and Gomorrah with his wife. And I, I can't believe I forgot his name. Lot. 
So Lot was going with his wife to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he sent angels to get to get him out of there before he sent down the hellfire. If you look up the history and like kind of like what they believed in in Sodom and Gomorrah, they a lot of the religions that came out of that, the belief in there is that they could sleep with angels. That had happened to them already in history. So when these beautiful angels showed up, what is it that they said? Oh, those are angels. You don't want to sleep with them. And they're like, no, yeah, we want to get to know them. We want to sleep with them. You know, mm-hmm. to them, it was nothing foreign at all. They were like, yeah, these are heavenly beings and I'm down. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to hook up with them, you know? So it these, was, uh, these entities would come and they'd kind of have like some twisted version of Christianity still, right? It wasn't like a whole new, newfound religion that they were trying to bestow upon the people. Uh, no, no, it was it was definitely a new religion. This is what I'm saying that if you pay, if people pay attention, this is the birth of polytheistic religions. This is the birth of Zeus. This is the birth of the different Mesopotamian religions. This is the birth of like the Egyptian gods. Uh, these are the gods that rebelled against God that used to work with God. And that is the story that most people miss that the Bible actually tells. And so, and that's what God says. He's, he's making it very clear that your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities in these spiritual places, in these high places. And it's, and we believe that as Christians, but we don't think to connect it to any entity. And we often say like, oh, how many, if you, especially if you ask a modern Christian, how many gods are there? Oh, just one. And I would agree to that, but I would say also there's a lot of self-proclaimed gods that would disagree with God's view of how to run things. And they created their own religions. In the midst of that, 100%, I'm sure there's entities involved in perverting Christianity because that has happened throughout the existence of even before Christianity was a thing. In, in the, there was uh, a blending of mystic Judaism. You know, there's, there's mystical occult Judaism as well. All of that was a mixture of uh, mixing Old Testament with witchcraft, which uh, different kinds of mystic practices that has happened throughout the entire history. There's always been a mixture and there's always been a conflation. So um, I guess my objective mostly when in, in reading all the research that I have is uh, to kind of parse what was original and what was mixed together. You get me? Because mm-hmm. I think that's what uh, the, the problem we have today, which is why we have a thousand and one denominations of Christianity. And we th- they all think they have a right, but, and I hate to be like a party pooper here, but if you read the Bible within its ancient Hebrew context, none of those uh, denominations are biblical. <laughs> yeah. Say, so, do you think that hint, a lot of these Hindu uh, gods play into some of these uh, beings too? Oh, definitely. And, and when I say every religion, I mean, every religion, these beings uh, exist and they have their own agendas. And these are the beings that I believe as a Christian, I have to, in a way, fight against uh, by the power that God gives us, the spiritual power. And unfortunately, the history of these beings is to enslave humanity through power, which is why it doesn't surprise me that a lot of governments use local religions in order to control people. Because that has been happening since the ancient times for a very long time. And I do believe that a lot of government officials do practice these pagan and ancient rituals. 
and I think more and more, especially these days, we can see that people of wealth are coming out and they have their masquerade parties, they have their orgies, they have all these wonderful things. And it's just kind of assumed, even if you ask people that are not really like, as they say, red pilled into this kind of stuff, you're, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Billionaires definitely have those orgies and they definitely have all kinds of stuff, but they never think to tie it to an ancient religious practice, which they are. And um, the, the symbols, like Saturn worshiping and stuff, correct? Um, Saturn and many other gods, because Saturn is like a, it's like they're Lord of the Rings. That's why they get Lord of the Rings is called Lord of the Rings. Saturn has all the rings and things like that. And it, it is part, part and do with Saturn worship. But depending on who you worship and what your purpose is, these, you know, people in high power places worship different gods. I mean, they'll worship Apollo, ancient Greek gods, um, uh, Saturn worship for sure. And uh, Venus, you know, that is, that is usually that's, you know, the, the serious star is used, you know, for uh, devil worship, as we call it. But that's not, I don't like the devil worship and Satanism because that's also quite conflated. Uh, there's a lot of denominations of that as well. So um, anyways, but yeah, these these are the gods that are still battling it out with God. And in my opinion, we're in the midst of that battle. And we can see, I guess, we sometimes think, I don't know, it's the battle's going to look like, I don't know if you saw that latest Justice League, but all the gods are up there fighting against the big guy and the, the, the main antagonist. And they're all, you know, just this huge epic battle going on. And, and I think we, we, we might glamorize uh, what the spiritual battle looks like and forget that you are a spiritual being. So we all have a part uh, to play and we're all in the midst of this battle. And uh, the biblical stories bring that to light often and we miss it every time. Like even when Joshua stopped the sun and the moon, that's the whole story. And when he says, I stopped the sun and the moon um, in its place, or in other words, I mean, depending on what view of earth you have, but you know, the, the, the flat earthers would say that's definitely a flat earth reference. And, and the people that are in a globe uh, on the globe view, they would say that's, you know, they stopped the rotation of the, 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 the earth or slowed it down at least or whatever. And so that's the whole thing. But what they don't realize is that the reason God told him to do that is that the armies he was fighting against, they worshiped the sun and the moon. Okay. And, and when that happened, let's say it did happen and they saw that it was a slap in the face to the gods that they worshiped. And they, after that, they were so afraid to fight the war that they ended up not there. Like they ended up winning and they got destroyed because before their own eyes, the gods that they were worshiped, that they worshiped were defeated. And so, and so also happened with like the miracles in the new Testament, often the new miracles in the new Testament didn't, wasn't just Jesus showboating, like check, check look what I can do. Like, look, look at my powers. It was literally a slap in the face to deities that were, from the local region and jesus was literally showing off to these other people that the gods that you worship might have power but i have power over them for example when he walked on water in that area they literally worshiped the god of water like our or what we understand as like poseidon so when they saw that literally when he got to the side you read the biblical story they were like oh my gosh he walked on the face of our god and they wanted to worship him immediately. Like they wanted to give themselves over because he pretty much embarrassed the local God by showing him that he can had more power with them than them. And he often did these kinds of miracles. They're all tied to slapping the face of another God 
And that's why the, the people would react so powerfully against their gods and give themselves over to Jesus or to whoever was preaching that gospel after that, because all of these miracles were connected to uh, ancient deities. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, it seems like an, it was another big miscommunication as far as a lot of religions go, where he thought, like you were saying, it was just him trying to show off, but he was actually trying to disrespect like a different type of being or entity. Mm-hmm. Um, more even so from your experiences, what other big uh, miscommunications have you noticed as far as like the Bible goes from the original text to how people perceive it today? Yeah. Uh, another big one, I think, is uh, atheists often make fun of like the, the Edenic story uh, because of Adam and Eve talking to a snake. Um, oh, because, you know, your translations say snake. Oh, they were talking to the snake, the snake in the garden. I mean, there's paintings. There's paintings galore. There's so much you can say propaganda for, for it being a snake that, I mean, we just go with it. Tradition kind of believes most evangelical circles would agree. But the thing with the Hebrew language that we underestimate, you know how in English we say, and this is important, I think is, I always say it come in a lot of shows that I go on. You know, in English, we'll say, like, if I tell you right now, hey, bro, uh, Shane, why don't you come over during Super Bowl? And we're going to watch the Super Bowl. It's going to be super dope. All right. And I, for whatever reason, I'll send you an email or I'll send you a letter. Okay. Mm. Let's say, let's say a thousand, two thousand years from now, someone finds the hard drive, finds the letter and finds that message. And it says, hey, Shane, come over. We're going to see the Super Bowl. It's going to be super dope. Right. If they translate that 2000 years later, they're not going to know what a Super Bowl is. Even just going into different languages that have probably become a very confusing phrase. Exactly. They translate it word for word. They're going to be like, what, what, I guess they're going to go look at a giant bowl and there might be drugs there. Dope is a reference to drugs, I think. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? And so they have to know the culture that I and you are a part of in order to understand Super Bowl and dope. You know, we use it as, hey, that's dope. That's cool. That's awesome. And so they have to understand these things. The Hebrew language does that all over the place. And the translations, in my opinion, from what I can tell, and I have the research I'm getting is from hard science records. I mean, there's over 5,000 biblical records of these ancient scrolls and, and more than any other religion in the world. Uh, and the historicity of uh, these uh, alone is very important. And the translations are very accurate and all that stuff. But that being said, if I just look into the stuff I'm getting is from scholars that know ancient Semitic languages. It's not just me, Chuck from Fire Theft Radio, starting some internet program that just, you know what I mean? Like there's, I'm not just saying these things. And the, the, I know you can't see, people can't see, but I'll show you. I'll show you. It's called, this book is called Demons. Uh, it's by Michael S. Heiser. And also this book called Unseen Realm by Michael S. Heiser. I think I would start with that one, Unseen Realm, and then go into demons and all this other stuff. And it kind of, these books tell you exactly the, the, the historical uh, version of God literally attacking and constantly battling these rebellious entities that we know as the Mesopotamian gods, as Marduk, as the gods of chaos, and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's, it's in there. It's in the Bible. I'm getting this from this, you know, uh, from, from him. And he knows the languages. He reads the scrolls. 
He even helped translate a lot of the modern Bibles uh, from these ancient scrolls. That was literally his job. So I had him on the show. It was it was a blessing to have him. Um, but uh, he makes it very clear that this entity, going back to the Eden, uh, they use words like that uh, to explain uh, uh, who people are. So when they you translate Nakash, Nakash is translated to serpent or snake. But in in the Hebrew, that means you are, oh, you're a snake, bro. You know, it means, oh, you, it's, it could be a descriptive term. Okay. And can it can also be a term for, uh, well, it's still a descriptive term, but to, to describe what you're doing, you're lying. And in the Hebrew culture, that's a very prominent way to, to say you're a liar. You're a deceiver is used in the New Testament as well jesus called other people you guys are snakes and your father is satan and he calls people snakes it's one of the biggest insults you can say in in the new testament um and so yeah what i'm trying to say i say all this to say that that lucifer or that satan that we see the serpent in the garden is not the, the the serpent that we think it's not a serpent first of all it's very likely he was a, a creature that was more like in the uh, class of angels that was called like the seraphim or uh, there's different versions of those types of angels. And they were known traditionally to have skin that was kind of scaly, like a snake. Uh, they looked kind of, you could say, reptilian in a way. You know, That's what I was going to say, does that is this where the whole reptilian concept kind of fits in mm-hmm. as far as uh, Christianity goes? Yeah, a little bit. Yes, that's kind of it, it could it could definitely be a reference to that. But never is does it say, oh, yeah, this is 100 percent. It's a snake. And what they'll say is, oh, you know, uh, you're going to lose your legs and arms. And then now you slither around and things like that. And they completely miss like this whole biblical teaching of what it means to slither around in 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 the in the desert to swamp to be swallowing sand. And if you start researching what the Hebrews believed about the sand and like the desert and dead places, it starts to make a little bit more sense why Jesus had to go to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, because they understood the desert for, to be a place where since it's primarily dead, that's where evil spirits inhabit. That's where evil just dwells wandering around looking for people to inhabit again. So that's why Jesus would use that same language to say, these are entities that are just, you know, waiting to do, to wreak havoc, Mm -hmm. you know? So it didn't surprise me that there's like, historically speaking, there's a lot of people that go out to places like the desert. They go out to these dead places and they do rituals to this day. I mean, it is said that that's what Jack Parsons did. And it said what, you know, that's what, um, um, what's, what's the other guy's name that did it with Jack Parsons? Um, Damn it, what's his name? Hubert L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. There it is. Yeah. I know it begins with a, with an H yeah. somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, they did the Amelantra working and they, they went out to the desert. They, they had their sex magic going on, you know, and so all of this stuff is related to the ancient rituals taught by entities, by the way, to uh from all these ancient religions, which is why you know Peru and Mexico and pretty much all of uh, South America and many, many other countries around the world have this connection to serpent gods, giving them a certain knowledge or a certain religion and those serpent gods requiring worship, you know, and I would say 
that's the connection. The pagan word for snake being something that's linked to words of wisdom come from is from these beings coming to them as in the form of serpents or being seen as like a reptilian type of thing and then giving them wisdom. So that's where the whole like pagan idea of like, uh, like snakes being a, a, something that brings knowledge or wisdom come from. Mm-hmm. And, and that is definitely a connection to the old Hebrew thought all the way down to, to this day. I mean, ambulances and, and farm far pharmacies have the double, either one helix snake or double helix snake around the pole. And that's a reference. That's an ancient reference to ancient religions, which is why God used it intentionally with Moses uh, in order to represent healing because they understood some of the snake gods uh, to be, have the potential to be healers. And here God told Moses, you know, crucify these snakes onto the, onto the pole and then um, uh, extend it out to the people that were sick and it healed them. And to this day, we use that symbol uh, as a symbol for healing. And that's like one of the most ancient symbols. And it's kind of going back to what I was telling you earlier, we're surrounded by these ancient symbols, uh, either Judeo-Christian or pagan in nature or, or polytheistic in nature, but we're still surrounded by them to this day. I was going to ask before I get too far into the, t- into the symbol question, because I would definitely love to learn some more of these symbols that are hidden among us. Um, a lot of the changes that you were saying were made to the Bible in the aspect of just being changed through language. Uh, do you think some of these were done on purpose and it wasn't just because of there being a difference in language and translating them through language? There's definitely a lot of conspiracy, I would say, about changes in the Bible. Um, and there were some that were very obvious. Like I said earlier, they were kind of politically motivated, especially like if you go back, if you if you go, depending how far you go back. So if you go back around to when the Catholic Church was doing things, they didn't want peasant people reading. They didn't want people reading because uh, there's a lot of parts in the Bible where it would tell them to stand up against what the Catholic Church was doing. Because um, I don't know if people under, understood, but like when you read the Bible very carefully, it never wanted people under government like like we have it today like modern government it it's never almost like a false idol correct you're like looking up to somebody to be like mm-hmm. your savior almost and that's i mean even people as the president there's a lot of people that look up to the president almost like he's some kind of savior correct and not only is it a false idol but you are delegating authority that was given to you by god you were supposed to run the earth along with other people you were supposed to govern each other like we are all supposed to govern each other and use a, a certain basis, a certain law, uh, in order to run things. I mean, the the the, the, the Ten Commandments, if, if you read them, the, they're not, they're not. Two of them are spiritual; eight of them are not. Okay, they're, it's a very pragmatic set of rules. Don't sleep with other people's wives. Don't steal. Don't lie. Okay, <laughs> there you can include economic understanding of stealing. You don't want to steal. You don't want to. You don't want to. It tells you later, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, it tells you don't let people borrow money and then charge them a ton of interest like our banking systems do. It tells them, um, you know, obviously not to, not to murder. I mean, those first eight are very fundamental that if we were to put them into practice, even if God wasn't real, our lives would be so much better, but we don't because we love to steal. We love to lie. There's a lot of, uh, things like that going. And of course it's not good for the human mind and heart. And it's just this innate corruption that, that we have to deal with. And, and it's kind of the thing, the reason that God had to deal with things 
on his own because the history shows that we're not very good at following rules. And, and uh, um, in the midst of that, uh, Israel was like, no, we don't want to govern ourselves. We want a king. And God's like, no, you don't. And then he, they were like, yes, we do want a king. So actually God gave people what they wanted and then they regretted it because the kings became corrupt because the power corrupted the man and things like that. And he told him, see, I told you, I sh you shouldn't have done it, but you wanted it. You were bugging about it. And now this is what happened. And so um, over and over does the Bible show that we should not be looking up to uh, these other powers to run our lives that we, sh we should have been uh, running our lives on our own. We've like normalized glorifying different things too in present day society like a good businessman for example what, mm. what is required to be a good businessman is to be cutthroat and be able to step on top of people to get to where you mm. need to go and it goes against those rules of course and it goes against just the basic fundamentals of almost any religion but we glorify it and normalize it in today's society like it's a good thing where we almost mm. like look past the fact that these people in order to get to these positions have to steal they have to again shit on everybody in, in the in the mm -hmm. process to get to where they are yeah, I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of, um, I know that's, especially in America, it's kind of touchy to ever, ever, ever bash on capitalism. But uh, I think we're at peak capitalism, which is much different, in my opinion, you know. We have uh, a lot of stuff that actually hurts people more than it helps people, again, just for the sake of capitalism, because it saves money. Like one big thing in America is high fructose corn syrup. It's banned in most other countries, but we use it here just because we're a capitalistic country. And we're looking at it from a profits standpoint, rather than like a Right perspective of yeah, what's I, actually good for us and what's not. Right, and I know the arguments. Like I know, financially speaking, it's the most lucrative, and I'm not crapping on that at all. But at what expense? Obviously, right. And I would go, and you're right, because there's so many countries, especially recently. Like I'm a I'm a heavy set dude, but I've been you know working on my health because I know that a lot of the stuff that uh, they're pushing as propaganda that I shouldn't be eating is actually very good for me and so uh the stuff that there's they want you to eat is very bad for you you know all the synthetic food the synthetic oils we shouldn't be eating all that stuff and yeah definitely all this stuff is because we want to mass produce everything and we're putting money into the pockets of big corporations and it doesn't surprise me that the corporations have these ancient symbols of these ancient gods and all of their things because these ancient gods wanted to control people they wanted to be people to be subservient to them and it continues, but in a more modern way, but it's still ongoing, you know? Do you think that these people purposely put the symbols within their symbols? Or do you think that it was something where it was almost like it was a corruption that was already in their head? So they put these symbols into their symbols unintentionally. Uh, you know, it's hard to say, but there's so much at least circumstantial evidence that there's people at the top that know what they're doing. And they're definitely naming things on purpose. Now that there's people that just get caught up in the culture uh, of things and they just name just like, you know, when like I know a lot of Christians that name their business Trinity would work. You know, they name their things Jesus Christ transportation, which is a, like a weird thing. I actually know someone who named their transportation business that and things like that. And, and it just kind of becomes like almost like this meme, like, hey, I got to make everything Christian. Uh, and it's just part of the culture. And it doesn't mean you're actually are Christian. There's a lot of people who wear crosses, not Christian. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, it's just, it's, it, I think uh, symbols definitely, um, I'm not going to accuse every single corporation or anything that they all have, they're all nefarious, uh, absolutely devil worshiping or whatever God they decided to worship. But somebody is for sure, because uh, 
especially once you start going up like the, the people who are in charge of like the World Economic Forum, uh, the Trilateral Commission, uh, uh, um, the Council of Foreign Relations, almost symbol after symbol after symbol is 666, pyramid, uh, pyramid stuff, as above, so below, uh, ancient pagan gods. I mean, all of our days and months are, I don't think people realize everything is named after a god like january is janice you know day after moon you know Th thursday after you know thor saturday for saturnalia and, and 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 so forth and so forth. sunday for the sun and it's just everything is a hundred percent connected to this and so maybe not the people in charge now maybe down the line when the uh, organization was created the person was like hey i'm definitely down for this this is what we want to do and it becomes i just find it completely very very curious that these people that control a lot of things definitely always comes down to they have these symbols. And I was like, why? Why always? Like, almost always. Do you think it's almost like something where they uh, came in contact with something so that it was almost like what we were talking about earlier, where you have to give something in return in order to get something from these beings? So they asked, so maybe possibly to, like, put the symbol within their symbol so that they could corrupt more people. So it was like a you gave, I take kind of a concept. That has definitely happened even in Silicon Valley. And like if you read some of the German scientists that, that came from Operation Paperclip uh, and things like that, they were talking about getting in contact with entities uh, that of portals they opened up or when they were microdosing. And they had uh, like in, and this happens right now in Silicon Valley. Well, you have people that are techs coming up with some new technology and they, they'll have as a group, uh, like microdosing, and as a group, in their minds, they'll have uh, a group experience where they see the same reptilian creatures, or they always bump into insectilin creatures or reptilian creatures, and it's always these same creatures, and these same creatures give them knowledge, give them this knowledge, and then they come out of it, and they have this inspiration, or they call it their muse. Uh, actors do that, actresses do that, and they say, I'm going to call upon my muse, my, my spirit guide. And they go on little trips. They go into closets that they call their dark rooms. And they try to look for inspiration. They have these weird rituals to do. And they come with this new character that they can do like, like you know, like um, Jack Sparrow and things like that. You know, he's really connected into the occult, the, that guy, uh, Johnny Depp. And so, like, all of this stuff is like, it just it's, it's that same uh, lie that you see in Genesis. Do this and you will become like gods. You will have this new knowledge that you didn't have before and it just it's like that same ancient story but wrapped into today's world so it kind of reminds me of the whole like elon musk for example is one of those people that says that he just his ideas feel like they pop into his head and there's a lot of different inventors that do make references like that uh do you think it's some type of tap in to another being giving them knowledge or do you think that there's a possibility of there being like an akashic record that they may also be pulling these types of things from you know I'm not going to take away from anybody's talent as well because well, there's people that have talent and but there's unfortunately also a connection to a lot of the most talented people to magic and there's definitely something that you can get from and from personal experience i mean even me like me and my mother used to do rituals to find things that we lost my mom one time she lost a, a very expensive um bracelet and so we conjured up a spirit that's uh, uh, this we translated in english it's called a finder spirit and what you do is you do a certain seance a certain a prayer you light a, a very specific candle and then you let the flame point in the direction 
that thing that you lost is. So you literally use the flame as a GPS. And no matter where you walk, the flame defies physics and it points in whatever direction it goes. And we did that to find things and we did it, you know? So we found something. In other words, we, we, we got knowledge of something we didn't know where it was, you know, we got something out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, people like, um, was it Jimmy Page who bought Bolister Mansion, Alistair Crowley's mansion, who was painted in blood. And, you know, a lot of his inspiration came from there. We have a lot of people that talk about uh, doing certain things and, and they get this, they get this, this song that just pops into their head. It just, it just goes from there. And so uh, again, I, I'm just saying that it could be natural talent. It could definitely be just them being them. But at one point you have to just kind of start questioning why does this happen so often and why do they all do this? These kinds of similar rituals that are connected to ancient pagan rituals. Very true. So another question I was going to ask, not to hop topics too much, but uh, as far as like the whole concept of Anunnaki, would that play into the whole like false gods that were going against everybody to create a new religion? As far as like yeah. a Christian perspective. Yeah, and for that, for definitely, and for that, I recommend the second book, uh, going into unseen realm, and that one's called Reversing. Hermon, uh, let me see. Uh, let me see if you can see it so you know how to spell it right there. Reversing, and then it's Hermon. H E R M O N for the uh, listeners that are curious in looking up this book, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that book completely covers exactly this. It goes into depth about the Anunnaki and things like that. And I know there's people like Billy Carson out there saying that these are kind of like the ancient astronaut theory blending in there and, and things like that and, and the connection to aliens. And so, um, yeah, I personally believe that these are the ones that are, are, are kind of like copycatting a little bit and also uh, fighting against the ancient creator God. I, I do believe, even though there is an understanding that that is older, an older version and things like that. And I can get into like, I guess a little bit of the history of that, but um, I think the book covers it much better than I could off the top of my head. I couldn't do, I, I couldn't do it a good, a good service. So I recommend those two books definitely and get you into the details of how that's correlated, but definitely because if you read the Anunnaki story, it's very similar to what I was talking about earlier. Uh, they also made hybrid beings you know, there's, they also made these beings and these beings kind of like took control. And, and then there was like, a, they created a class system and basically they were like, oh, you know, we created these human beings and they're going to serve us and things like that. But it goes back to literally what I was telling you earlier, that that's the difference between um, uh, like God and these other beings. God said, yes, serve me, but you have the freedom to do what you, what you want to do with this power that I give you them is like, I give you this knowledge, I give you this technology, but you have to be of service directly to me and under me at all times. You can't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there was a little bit less of the freedom and more like, no, you don't have freedom. This is like, this is what you must do. And in, in, in order, and if you do this, I'll give you this. And I believe that that was like, historically speaking, and you can read about it more. If you start looking into it, that is literally where some of the cultures were born with certain, they had certain abilities like, um, I forgot the name of a certain fallen entity that the Book of Enoch mentions, gave them the ability to know how to get metal out of the earth and make weapons so that they can make weapons. And then on top of that, showed them how to kill a human being, specifically uh, like 
the jugular, like different things that would kill a human right away. These beans gave him all this information, also gave them information on how, what plants to drink to heal yourself or what, what plants to take in order to get high, to get uh, to, to microdose. Uh, all of this stuff came from that book of Enoch. Uh, even showed the women how to do makeup, by the way, that's makeup is nothing new. Uh, uh, so they can become more seductive and more attractive to men. Um, so there's a lot of ancient origins of things that we think are very modern that started in the Anakian stories. And those stories are kind of almost like side by side with the Anunnaki stories. And they're very similar, except the Enoch stories go at it from the Hebrew perspective and then the Anunnaki is obviously from that side. And so it kind of differs and veers off as to who is the creator God and why they're doing the, what they're doing. But the outcome of the Anunnaki usually is that we were just created to be a slave class. And that is like the biggest difference between that and the biblical narrative. We're not created for to be a slave class. We were created to rule on earth, not to be a slave class to other things. It's one of those things like I was mentioning earlier, where it just sounds like a lot of the same stories, but with different names for the different beings within these stories. Um, like a lot of them come from the same place, like you were describing. Um, it's just, again, different different names for the same things. So mm -hmm. another question that I was kind of curious about asking, too, um, as far as like your perspective on like psychoactive plants, do you think that they were intended from the stories you were saying to be more of something to manipulate people? Or do you think that they were something to possibly speak to God? Um, as far as also connecting the whole possibly lost in translation of the burning bush, possibly being smoking a bush rather than it actually being a bush that was on fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have heard that. And uh, from what I can tell in the Hebrew world, they definitely smoke uh, like they smoked different things, you know, all kinds of different things. But and none of none of what I can tell um, historically was connected to hallucinogenic drugs and that they were doing that and 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 i don't me i've never done it and i came from maybe maybe i'm biased you know i came from like a very weird like legalistic uh church which means you i mean you can't even have a all like a beer you know and because that's like bad you don't do that but even though they'll ignore the festivals in the old testament where god literally tells you to drink every day for a week and things like that uh, but they're gonna ignore that those verses you know what i'm saying but uh, uh but uh uh, obviously that's for a specific festival, but my point is, is that, um, uh, I don't, I don't personally recommend it, but I, I don't have any experience in doing that. So I feel like I can't really talk to it. I can just tell you that historically speaking, uh, even in the Hebrew perspective, they didn't do those things. They often, um, wanted to go back to the ancient way, which was to talk to God directly without there being this wall or separation. Uh, which they did not have in the Garden of Eden. Uh, when they were there, um, seeing the spirit realm was equivalent to me seeing you if you were here in person. Like there was no disconnection and that stopped after that. Um, and there's, it's a huge conversation as to why God decided to stop that. But there's many occasions where he had removed the veil from people's eyes in order to see the spirit world. It happened with Elijah and Elisha, where he literally made him see the angels in the skies that were there to protect him. They were on chariots and all kinds of stuff like that. There was a lot of occasions in the, in the Bible where people can see the spirit world. 
in a physical way without getting involved in any sort of drug uh, uh, at all. At least the story doesn't tell that they were. And I'm sure we can assume, oh, they probably did. I mean, if you lean towards that idea, there can be a lot of assumptions, but I tend to not want to assume things unless there's information behind it. Uh, I think they'll link to a lot of shamanistic religions. That's why I was asking for that aspect. If it was more intended to not necessarily be something that was intended for Christianity to move that, remove the veil, but more so for these entities that were trying to corrupt people to look past the veil. Like they were almost using it on purpose in order to corrupt people from like, yeah, you're describing it. And yeah, what I was going at is definitely in Enoch, that was the intention of these entities to tell people to do these drugs in order to give them some new information and manipulate them. So that is the only proof, I guess, and that there is, and most of the stuff that's available in the book of Enoch, God strongly recommends against it and says, don't mess with that because you're going to encounter these beings. And it's funny that to this day, that those are the beings, like I told you in Silicon Valley, are people are still having the same exact experience with these reptilian creatures that give them knowledge and insect and insectolins as well. So I, I just find like, it's a weird connection there. I was going to say, it's also a strange connection too, because it kind of plays into the whole uh, extraterrestrial kind of role because you're referring to like the insect beings. And a lot of people will make references to like mantis beings that claim to be like the watchers, which is another mm-hmm. term that you were using. And then the right. reptilians that were intended to corrupt and use people, which also plays into what you were playing. Um, right. So on top of that, also, I was going to ask uh, from the other different extraterrestrial beings that people describe, uh, how else do they play into the role of these different entities that you were referring to? So often, for example, we tend to think a, a huge misnomer that I want to bring up just to, to bring the UFO factor into it. I just want people to think about it, especially if they, they read the Bible. Uh, nobody but the cherubim and very certain and like the seraphim, did they have wings? Angels are never referred to have wings, ever. Okay? And they're often painted like that in tradition, again, because we conflate tradition with other religions and things like that in the kind of Catholic, Greco-Roman world. You know, they mix this whole idea of these beings having, they fly around, so they must have, a, they must have wings. Is this where Anunnaki also kind of plays in, where the depiction of the Anunnaki with wings may also be something that's diluted this idea of what the modern depiction of like an angel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, de- it definitely goes into there. But angels, again, in the Bible, there's not a single verse when an angel appears and disappears. There's never any mention that it has wings. But there are these other beings that do, and they're not called angels. But the, sometimes the, the argument comes, and I know there might be a Christian listening, maybe. They're like, oh, no, wait, wait is that, again, they use that word angel very loosely to, to describe a, a spiritual being that's on the positive side of things. You get me? Kind so of like a, like a misused word, like you were like <laughs> using demons, like you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yep, same same exact theme, and they, they do the same with angels. And, and, you know, I hate to keep plugging his books, but I've read them all. Uh, Michael S. Heiser does another one on angels, just specifically that, and it's called angels, so it's not hard to find. And uh, the same guy. And so, uh, again, there's all these misunderstandings of that. But but um, what was your question again? I'm sorry. I was, I was getting, going somewhere. Oh, I was talking about the different beings that uh, are misinterpreted to be extraterrestrials. Oh, yeah. Like we're, yeah. we're talking about the Anunnaki with the wings and stuff like that being depicted as angels and just the misinterpretation mm-hmm. between that. Mm-hmm. 
now I'm not discounting the fact that there's not there's there couldn't be aliens or anything like that. I'm not one to say that all aliens are demons, like a lot of people in the Christian world like to say, but I do want to say that a lot of the experiences um, that people have with what people call aliens, most of them, if not all of them, are very negative. And I, I just spoke to uh, an ex-lead investigator from MUFON, uh, the Mutual UFO Network, and he's now the chief liaison for MUFON. I made two episodes with him. It's called Paranormal Pastor. And yeah, I mean, him and he would go out there trying to, his job was to try to debunk that someone had an experience, like an abduction. Mm -hmm. And all the abductions correlated to, or or were connected to either a ritual or uh, a seance type ritual, or like an actual ritual, like 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 the ones we used to do in witchcraft, and or very demonic in nature. And... Uh, yes, there were often people saying, uh, he, he said he encountered people that were just the, the things that they were explaining, it, obviously supernatural. But what I was getting at is that we often assume that the creatures that we see in the sky or whatever, oh, that's a UFO. That's the, I mean, all I want to say is that it could be some of these entities that we're talking about, good or bad. It could be some of these angels. It could be some of these bad ones. And they could be that they have a technology of some sort that allows them to move around and fly around. But we think it, we don't think that they're these ancient spiritual beings. And we immediately assume that they're, they just must be aliens. They just must be aliens. But I mean, when you read all of the biblical stories, you know, I just, it doesn't seem like it's, it's that it just, it makes more sense that it could be these entities. Very true. So another one that I was also very curious about, too, um, as far as a lot of different cryptids go, how would these cryptids play into the aspect of a Christian's perspective and what they may or may not be? So that ties in with the Nephilim, because the story in Enoch is that these Nephilim um, also hybridized creatures. They hybridized creatures with humans and they hybridized creatures with other creatures and that is also in the narrative and the understanding of the ancient hebrews and a lot of the ones that do the research that i do will kind of tell you that that is the connection there that we think things that maybe things like bigfoot or wolfman or even what people understand as vampires or werewolves um uh there seems to be uh even in the in the names of people involved names that are related to ancient bloodlines from the old Testament of these fallen beings, which is a huge weird coincidence. I guess it's not a coincidence in my opinion that these kind of beings have semi survived over time, even though there was a great purge. And they and seem like to have some kind of supernatural powers too, as far as like Bigfoot just right. hearing and, uh, almost all of them they have some type of supernatural power they disappear they're very strong so they may have that connection where they're like a half god being uh sending down a bloodline kind of like how you were describing yeah give me one second i got a little family issue going on right i'll be right back okay for sure a few moments later all right here we go so yeah so sorry i kind of cut off there a little bit but uh uh no so like i was saying it's generally understood that we believe that's where all of these cryptids come from is the um, hybridization or the, the this hybrid work that these uh 
uh, fallen watchers were doing, uh, which is what we believe brought on the flood, actually, um, because during the flood time, God was like, hey, man, um, when he told Noah um, to put these creatures on the boat, he said to get ones that were not corrupted because he said all flesh, any all living beings were were corrupted on the planet during that time. So there was a massive, massive corruption of, of blood when it comes to uh, all creatures that live, including animals and humans. And uh, I think the remnants of that flood, uh, well, the flood is re- literally where we got these demons from, first of all, is killing off most of the Nephilim. And then on top of that, I'm sure there was a lot of creatures that might have survived, maybe gone into, into the earth, which is, you know, goes into the idea that there's creatures inside of earth. Halloween theory. Um, yeah. Like reptilian stuff like that go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, the experiences people have from these cryptids because they come from these fallen entities pretty much always is a bad experience. They No one ever has a, a, a pleasant experience with Wolfman or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, I guess that's a, a summary, but I mean, it's definitely uh, something that we can we we believe in for sure. Uh, I think the the expert in that, if you he ever dis, uh, agrees to come on with you guys, I, I would suggest you guys talk to Dr. Judd Burton. He is a professor uh, and and he knows a lot about uh, cryptozoology and things like that. That's kind of like his forte. And so anything I know pretty much comes from him, and he he has a lot of even uh, kind of like lectures on the matter. So uh, I would suggest maybe shoot some questions towards that guy. I'll say I definitely will look into him and I'll ask you more, a little bit more questions as far as uh, how to get a hold of him after the show. Um, another yeah. thing that I wanted to ask you about is I've been very interested in the whole concept of the flood lately um, from the aspect of it has references to it in the Epic of Gilgamesh uh, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's water erosion on the bottom of the Sphinx. So at this point, we can almost guarantee that there is some kind of a great flood um, mm-hmm. coming from your perspective. Uh, where do you think that this water came from? From the flood because i guess theoretically the idea that everybody kind of looks at now is that it either came from the ground almost like two plates are pushed together or it comes from this idea of there being like a firmament but uh from the, your perspective on the things that you've read where do you believe that the waters came from for these great floods yeah so if you pay attention it actually tells you there in in, in the book of genesis it says it did rain a lot and that did flood it, it did flood a lot but it also says that the, the, the gates from the water underneath opened up and we know this that's not conspiracy i mean we have a lot of deposits of water um everywhere around the world inside the earth um and that it, it literally came up and started flooding everything and things like that so there's nothing new there as far as uh what i like to say there's nothing new as far as like hey yeah it definitely rained but it, I don't believe that it rained so much. And a lot of Christians do believe that it just rained for 40 days and just the rain alone caused that. Uh, I know that there's a firmament understanding and I normally don't get into those things just because um, it's a touchy subject. I guess a lot of people get a little bit triggered about what that could be and things like that. And um, at least on my show, we just like to entertain the, at least as far as like what I try to do for my listeners is I try to entertain many ideas, even if it's not something that everybody always agrees with. It's more so my show's premise is to just expose people to different other people's perspectives and points of view. It's not saying that it's necessarily what we believe in. It's just that it's opening the idea for somebody to know that this is an idea that does exist. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll say this to 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 go with what you're saying right now. There's a lot of things in the Bible that um, we don't have to take as believers that is literal. There's such thing called a literalistic approach to the Bible, and there's hyper-literalist as well. And then there's liberal understanding of the Bible, and there's like hyper-liberal as well. Where, you know, there's just like, oh, you, like, for example, there's a lot, we can take the archetypes and concepts, the moral aspect of the Bible, but everything else is kind of hogwash, the miracles didn't happen. And I definitely am not in that camp. I definitely do believe um, even the stuff I experienced was ridiculously supernatural. So there's like, no, there's no question that there's definitely a supernatural aspect to the Bible and to our existence. Now, that being said, um, there are some things in there that I... It could be true, it could be not, I don't know. Uh, but the thing that triggers uh, the literalist uh, a lot is that the Bible does talk about uh, the cosmology of Earth is uh, a snow globe. It is like it's a flat type of Earth. It, I don't know how long it goes for, and that there is this sort of glass firmament over it, and then above it is more water. And there is a lot of references to the windows of heaven being opened. And if we were indeed in a type of uh, snow globe, it'd be very easy to flood the earth, the entire planet or whatever, uh, by just opening the windows of heaven, which would flood the whole case and also the, the, the waters from underneath. So that would make sense. That's a definitely a possibility. And that is the Hebrew understanding of cosmology. Uh, so I know it might trigger a lot of people that are, don't say that because they want to hold the Bible to a very scientific perspective that there's nothing that the Bible says is scientifically incorrect. Um, and I, and I, don't, I don't hold to that view very dogmatically at all because there's things in there that God allowed them to believe that weren't, wasn't scientifically accurate uh, because they believed it at the time, but he corrects them later as well. So it's, a, it's like you have to read it very carefully to see the difference between God's knowledge and, and, and human knowledge, because it has both of them in the mix of, of the writings. And we tend to think that the Bible is um, uh, like almost like spirit writing, like they were possessed by the Holy Spirit or something. And they were just like, Oh, like automatic writing and stuff like that. And it's like, no, he allowed them to write their thoughts and their feelings and all kinds of things like that. And some of the stuff isn't scientifically accurate. Uh, the general belief in the New Testament time, uh, when Paul talked about women covering their hair, um, they he actually had a lot of training, formal training, uh, because of the part, uh, the the position he had as a as a Roman uh, soldier, uh, and what he was in the in the, in the Roman world before he turned uh, Christian. Uh, the general belief was that the women's hair, uh, the more hair they had, the more they can absorb semen. It was like very attractive to them. And that's like the general consensus, the thicker the hair, the more fertile they were. That's not scientifically true as far as we know. So it's like, you know, it's just something that they believed in, which is why in, in the book of Corinthians, he says, hey, women, if you go to the temple, especially in Corinth, cover your hair. Because a lot of the prostitutes, in order to show that they were like these sexy, sensual women, that they were fertile and they were attractive, they showed their hair. It was like showing off a piece of their, like if they were flashing you, like their boobs or something. It was very attractive to them in that time, in that culture. So covering your hair in that area was very important to them, which is something that people still do to today, misreading it and thinking that God wants women to cover their hair to go to church, but it's, it has nothing to do with that. 
it's just a miscommunication because people don't take into consideration how much things in the Bible were written from just a human's perspective and society th- changes through the years, of course, just like yeah, anything. I think more than a miscommunication, it's like negligence of people not wanting to read and do their study, to be honest. I mean, I might sound a bit accusatory, but I do like if you're going to stand behind some any ideology, you, I, just know as much as you can about it. Don't just kind of go to church every Sunday or Wednesday and and, and that's enough for you. I think you have a responsibility. I mean, within the text itself, it says to be a Berean. And what that means is to tear it apart to see if it's true. Um, and if, if we did that as believers, I think we would be touching a lot more subjects, reaching a lot more people, because it's actually more supernatural and more, at the same time, more um, relevant than we might think because it connects to all the stuff that we're experiencing today with the UFO phenomenon, with the cryptozoology, with uh, a lot of this weird occult stuff happening in Hollywood. I mean, it's been going on for a very long time and we have a whole history of that, of that kind of stuff in the biblical narratives. So another thing that I was going to mention too, for anybody that's been hearing this conversation and they believe that a lot of your views may be like on the woo woo side. um, What are some things you've experienced in your life that would reiterate your point that, a lot of this, these things are real from your perspective, of course. So I, I was in a deliverance ministry, which means I was an exorcist for those people that don't know what deliverance is. Deliverance is what usually you'll hear in the Protestant world. Exorcism is what you hear in the Catholic world. Uh, but generally people understand exorcism pretty well across the world, across the, just across the board. People understand what that means. Mm-hmm. So you can write off all the stuff that I used to experience in my supernatural experiences here at the house and as uh, schizophrenia scientifically. Oh, you probably just had schizophrenia. You were under a lot of stress, blah, blah, blah. But the stuff that I experienced with people demonically possessed and seeing, a, for example, a 12 year old, 13 year old skinny little girl pick up a full body frame man taller than him, like five, eight person with her arms stretched out, not even like, like this, like her arms stretched out, pick, pick him up like nothing, have the strength of two, three men, her voice changing, her eyes rolling back, her different people speaking different languages that they didn't speak. They only spoke Spanish, but when they were possessed, they spoke all these other different languages. Uh, and to see that so often, I'm talking about thousands of people over the period of like 15 to 20 years, uh, really makes you understand that a lot of what we're talking about, if you want to call it anything else, if you want to say, no, it's this, it's that religion, whatever. Um, the d- common denominator was that whether it was alien related an alien abduction related an experiencer, or whether it was a demonic possession where someone practicing witchcraft, all of these people were freed from their experiences by expelling it and doing what the Bible tells us to do through the name of Jesus. Even people that had no reference to Jesus, I'm talking about people in other countries that were the organization I worked for going into literally like where areas where people didn't even know about Jesus, even some parts of um, different worlds were just, because the idea is sometimes they say like, well, you know, these entities might, it's psychological and they might leave because you say, oh, be gone in the name of Jesus. And just, they know that reference. They think Jesus has power. And it's psychological, but that there's so much many other things to prove that what they're experiencing isn't spiritual, like I just said. And I just don't, I, I can't disregard all of those experiences and say, 
the spirit world doesn't exist. Demons don't exist. Evil doesn't exist. There are very real corporeal, sorry, very real entities that can incorporate in people's bodies and they can take hold of you and they have evil plans and you don't want to be a part of that. You know, and, and I feel like there is an answer to it. And personally, despite all the differences, despite all the things I find in modern church um i still feel like the bible holds true and i have to stand by it as best as i can and keep searching still i'm in the process of like okay what else can i learn from this and there's so much more i'm learning and it just continues to open up and connect to the things that are happening in our modern world and obviously i mean i mean that's my perspective obviously i'm not telling people here hey by the way shane would you like to receive the lord jesus christ right now you know like this is not what i'm doing here what I'm saying is this is despite going the witchcraft way, despite doing rituals, despite doing Buddhism, despite doing Catholicism and different versions of Christianity, uh, looking into these things from an ancient Hebrew perspective, still, I believe in the Bible, probably even more so than ever. And um, those experiences I had with people that were demonically possessed definitely uh, made it very clear that the spiritual world is very real. I mean, just going from your other explanation of things too, um, it kind of just plays into the whole aspect that it doesn't matter necessarily what religion you believe in or what you've seen. Uh, if these things were let loose across the world to try to corrupt, um, they could essentially go anywhere and it's not relevant to what regions specifically carry whatever religion. And on top of that too, um, like kind of like I was saying a lot earlier in the show, a lot of these religions could all just be different perspectives of the same exact thing happening. And just from all the things that you've said, it kind of has reiterated that point. Um, and hopefully to the listeners, they'll see that there's a lot of different connections between a lot of different viewpoints and a lot of different religions where it could all be combined and actually be just all one religion with just different wording and terminology for different things. I definitely think there's a lot of connections, but I think when it comes to, let's say the afterlife, um, and where we could possibly go, I still don't stand on the view of like, you know what, uh, you practice, you know, if you on the Marduk side, if you're on the this other side, um, I don't think those are those are still the same thing that I'm talking about as the God of the Bible. I think I was trying to make it clear that these entities are real, but they are fighting against him. Yeah, they're me? like a subsection underneath. And then I heard some other reference earlier, too, that was described as. I don't know if it was from your show. It may have been from your show um, saying that it's the best way to describe all of these, this battle happening. It's not just like one side, two side fighting between each other. It's almost like, like a mob war in the sense that every single one of these groups is out for their own own practice and their own thing that they're trying to have happen. Um, so it's not just like one side versus the other. It's like a bunch of different sides with the God side being one side. And then all these other smaller bad entities fighting within each other on top of that. Yeah, I, I tie with that a little bit as far as like I feel like the fallen ones definitely have these gang wars Game of Thrones happening all the time um, I don't believe I ultimately I believe that they sometimes get together to fight against God but I still feel like the main story is 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 like God against all of these other ones and I guess like that my biggest thing is I mean in the end I feel like truth will stand above all things right so if people are really seeking truth i think eventually they'll find it so hopefully this kind of 
helps them and maybe they can continue on their path and things like that. And, but, um, you know, I just want to make it clear. Like, I, I feel like these entities are very real. Um, and I feel like we're in the midst of it. And, and I, even though this is a very calm conversation, I think we're contributing to um, putting into light what is in darkness. So this is a way of fighting darkness because most people don't even know that there is something like this happening around them. You know, they're just kind of like completely connected to the matrix. There is no spiritual world. My life is just kind of meaningless. There's a, it's a bit nihilistic. What's the point of it all? And I, I, don't, I don't believe that at all. I do believe that the future can be incredibly amazing if and when we understand what our purpose is and not let these other entities um, convince us that we were just created to be slaves to any specific system, wherever it is you are in the world. I mean, if people don't believe that it's purposeful, just look at the world today. Um, it's just it's a primary example of that, that they've tried to pull us away from natural things as much as possible and from all these different views as much as possible to try to make it so that you don't seem like you have any kind of power and you're just one insignificant thing floating mm -hmm. on a giant rock in space. So <laughs> everything that's yeah. ever happened in society just kind of pulls away from any of these aspects where it doesn't matter what religious view you have it's just pulled people away from having any type of spiritual connection with anything. Cause they want you to feel like you're alone and by yourself in the universe and you have no power because within that, that's how you, they can create power for themselves is when you believe that you have no power within yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is very telling. One of my favorite, uh, it's not that good of a movie, but just that concept came up so overtly in the last um, installment of the, I think the sequel to, to what's that movie? What's that movie where I think it's called Glass with Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, yeah. Because the first one is uh, Unbreakable. The second one is the one with the Black. schizophrenia thing. And then the last one. Oh, Split. Split. Split and then it's Black. Multiple personalities. Right. And so those kind of tie together. But in, in, in the last one, the Glass, you see that there's this secret society working against these people that are great that have these powers, that have these abilities. And when they find out they have them, they want to control them and make them believe that they are not special. And there's a moment where one of those secret society members has a conversation with Bruce Willis's character. And he tells him like, did I convince you that I almost get you and convince you that you're mean, that you're nothing that I like her. She was so about making sure that the hero of the story, Bruce Willis, um, believed that he actually was not a hero, that he actually was not powerful, and that he actually was just making all this up in his head. And I truly believe that is actually the consequence of these spiritual beings using human beings to convince other people, hey, you're nothing, man. You're nothing. Just work your nine to five. Don't think about it. And that's it. You know, just you're just like cattle. You're nothing. You know? So let's not do that. <laughs> it seems to be a common factor when it comes to podcasting too, is that we try to bring power back to the people and make people realize that they're more than what they are. So mm -hmm. that being said, like you were saying, I feel like this is almost like something that needs to get done. And I'm fighting the powers uh, in my own way, in a sense, be it, you know, government power, whatever you want it to be. Like the whole idea of this whole community is to try to bring truth to the people. 
So within that, we're doing something and doing something good. So for as far as me, I almost felt like it was like a moral obligation where when I started finding all these different truths that I felt like they needed to be projected to everybody um, to so people could realize their full potential, um, even on a smaller scale of just being motivational to people to make them realize that they can create music. Like you were saying, that's almost like a godlike power in a sense that you can create a harmonic sound uh, all on your own without any kind of external force. So another idea that I always like to, again, go back to reiterating is that people have the power to do things. It's just the matter of you and society around you telling you that you can't do things, but you need to push that out of your head because as soon as you start getting that idea, uh, you cap yourself and that's as far as you're going to push your limits to be. But if you don't ever have a cap on yourself, then the possibilities are limitless as long as you're willing to put in the work to get things done that you're trying to do. And Mm -hmm. you have to, in a way, kind of find your own sense and your own path in order to fight the powers that be. Um, And again, even with podcasting, just being able to spread this truth and people being able to listen to this truth, it's its own way Mm -hmm. of giving power back to the people because that's what it's all about. 100% 100% agree. Yeah, I, I, we call this on our show because we're Fire Theft Radio. We call we call it spreading the fire, you know, so definitely that's what we do. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you got anything else you want me to say, but I think I, I got most of it out of my chest. Well, that's exactly the purpose of the show is so <laughs> everybody can get their message out and get a bunch of different viewpoints from a bunch of different people. So one thing that I always do like to leave the show on is some words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there is anything that you could say to the listeners that you feel like needs to get said as far as words of wisdom, what would it be? Don't be afraid to research things that contradict your current worldview. Um, I think is something very important because um, I did that with the Bible and I do that even now, uh, I guess maybe because I have a Christian background, I kind of lean, I mean, this is just out of consequence. I lean kind of uh, in the conservative world, but I'm not a conservative. I don't belong to a concert, like a political view, but people kind of put me there just cause like, well, you don't like to do this. So you must be a conservative. I'm like, no, I just believe in the Bible, but people politicized it. And now it's a thing that, you know, and, and there's all these different things, but even when it comes down to politics, uh, I research the things that are against it, the, the, where I stand, when the things that are against what I believe in, in the Bible. Uh, the thing that got me researching is that, that the Egyptian gods and all these ancient gods, that the Bible, that Christianity is just a regurgitation of those things. And they, they, there's all these supposed similarities. And once you start researching the Bible, the Bible doesn't even uh, mention that those things that the Egyptians gods have in common are, are there. Like these, there's no similarities. Like you, you literally start breaking it apart, but I had to look into it. I had to look into Set. I had to look into Horus. I had to look into all those things and say, okay, I'm going to prove this wrong. And, and I, and once I started looking into the history of both sides, then I saw all the things that didn't match, but it's, it's very easy for us to believe in something that we already kind of lean towards. And, and you might even hear me saying something you think I'm saying just because you lean in a certain way, but that's not what I'm saying. You kind of subjectively heard it a different way, you know, and that's how we work. Unfortunately, we function in a very like uh, subjective manner. We'll, uh, you know, comedians suffer the consequence of that all the time. They'll say something and someone else takes it into a different context and it turns into a problem, you know? And so that's just how we are. So I say, never be afraid of looking into things that contradict your current belief. This is just really simple. Uh, wherever that, whatever that may be. If you are not really a Christian, 
go look into Christianity. If you are a Christian, go look into the things that are against Christianity. You know, read those those Richard Dawkins books. I love to read the opposing sides. Uh, and then and then uh, and then see what rings true. I mean, I've been uh, now, I guess, a professed Christian for, since I was 15. I'm 37 now. So it's been a long time, but in the midst, it was very rocky. There's a couple of years where I said, I'm, I'm an atheist. I believe in aliens and, and all that stuff. And then going into, you know, looking into the Anunnaki stuff, looking into all these things, I kind of went back and I was like, oh, well, I missed a lot of things in the Bible that I didn't know. And I ended up back there again, you know, but it took a long time. But uh, so just don't be afraid of the journey. You know, I think uh, just keep do that. Don't be afraid to, to research things that contradict your current view and don't be afraid of the journey. And just along the way, be kind. Don't be an ideologue. Don't die on that hill of anything that you believe in. Have conversations with an open hand and and uh, we should be doing all right. I mean, me and you have different perspectives and we got along just fine. So, yeah, prime example. One thing I always like to point out is that it's a sign of intelligence to be able to change your mind or perspective with more information. And on mm -hmm. top of that, too, polarizing people is another way to create power over the people because then they're too busy fighting with each other rather than looking at the bigger power and seeing the truth within the middle. That's yeah. one common thing I always like to say is that the truth uh, is my, in the middle. My biggest pet peeve that often happens in the Christian world, they've politicized it, they've torn it apart, and they use it to further political agendas and things like that. It happens all the time. And I'm like, dude, open your eyes, man. That, and just because that guy professes to be Christian and now all of a sudden let's all vote for that. Like, come on, man. That's not how it works, man. <laughs> like, please open your eyes, folks. Yeah. Yeah, realize yeah. that there's powers that be trying to corrupt all of us, even if they are yep. coming in the sense of so somebody saying that I'm a Christian just for the aspect right. of trying to get that Christian vote. That's, again, another right. sign of them trying to get power over the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But before we start wrapping it up here completely, uh, if anybody enjoyed this conversation, uh, where would they come and find you? So we have a podcast a website, firetheftradio.com. You can find us pretty much on all podcatchers except for like uh, – What's that big one? Spotify. We're not on Spotify, but we're we're on iTunes, Stitcher, all the Android stuff. Um, our email is firetheftradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can you can I'll pretty much answer you almost right away if I'm I have my phone with me through Instagram at Fire Theft Radio or Facebook at Fire Theft Radio. I suggest follow us there too and message us there. Uh, I do I am starting to do live things uh, on Instagram. I find it that it's less restrictive thus far. I get a lot of problems with YouTube and Facebook. And for some reason, Instagram lets me get away with more. So I'll be doing some things there um, uh, live. And so, yeah, those are the main avenues that you can get a hold of me. So Fire Theft Radio is, where, is, is who we are. And right now I have a new co-host, uh, temporary co-host. Uh, his name is Nikolai. And we're kind of running the show until my homie uh, Omar comes back. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's all I got. I really appreciate you coming on the show and making time to be here today and explain all these different concepts to the listeners. Of course, no problem. Anytime. If there's anything else, uh, some other time, if you listen to a show you're interested in or whatever, yeah, I'll come back, whatever, man. I'm, 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 I'm always willing to spread the fire. I really appreciate that, man. And for all the listeners that stuck around, I really appreciate you being here. I really appreciate you listening to the conversation. Have a good night, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye.